All right, when you guys are there, you can say so. Cool. I'm going to be reading from verse 1 all the way down to verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which, gave, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. You guys can be seated. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually going to change things up. Give me, give me like two seconds. Okay, I know this is weird, but uh, this is how I generally preach and talk to the youth. And uh, I'm always nervous when I get up here. This didn't change anything. I'm still nervous. <laughs> but um, I, uh, you know, I, with the youth, I've never really been able to get on a pulpit and, and preach to them. I've never really felt like a preacher. Um, I just, I just love talking with them, hearing what they have to say. I love the conversations that we have, and uh, I love exploring the word with them. It's a, it's a lot of fun, and, and today we're talking about reaching others. And uh, it was actually very difficult for me to sort of like put this, put this together. Um, it was kind of tough because I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm not the best at reaching others. Uh, it's not something that comes out of me naturally. I'm a, I'm a real introvert. Like, I like lock myself in a room type, don't talk to me for a week, don't, don't touch me. I can feed myself, I can handle myself type of introvert. I don't need to see anybody's face. So like when the, when the lockdown hit, I, I was kind of happy. I'm going to be honest with you guys, uh, you know. 
that, that works for me, all right? The Zoom calls, I only got, you know, you only have to see from here up type deal. That, that's me. Like, I'm good with that. Um, so reaching others uh, is really not, not my forte. Um, so when talking about reaching others, I need to make sure that I'm, I myself am as comfortable and ready to, as I'm preaching this, I'm also receiving it at the same time. Um, so I, uh, I, I really just want to be honest with you guys. Reaching others is probably one of the toughest things for most Christians, right? Um, and my big idea for today, um, it's pretty simple. It is reach others, <laughs> right? I, I tried, I really tried to come up with some fancy way, some really cool big idea that just like drives the point home and like which sounded really cool and all philosophical and theological. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, if you're part of the body of Christ, you got to reach others. And that's like, I don't, I don't have that. That is the big idea. Just reach others. And we do that through the gospel. And, um, in your guys's, oh, if you guys didn't get one of the notes, one of the pamphlets, if you guys can raise your hand, the ushers can um, hand that out to you guys. Um, so they'll come around. But in that, I'm going to be reading the, what you guys have there at the very beginning. It's like a little summary of pretty much what we're going to be going over today. And it, it, reads, uh, it reads like this. The word gospel literally means good news. In biblical times, the word was used to describe an announcement of an important event such as a victory in battle. It actually had no religious meaning. So to the people of the day, the word would invoke an image of a messenger coming into town to proclaim the good news of something that happened far away, but still affects their lives. It was something they were all waiting and hoping for. Though today we use the word gospel to describe the teaching, revelation, and record of Jesus Christ, we shouldn't ignore its original usage. We are called to share the gospel, but more so the gospel is meant to be shared. It's the news people are waiting and need to hear because no matter where they come from, it affects their lives. Wartime gospel messengers were always excited about their job. It was a long and arduous journey to deliver the message, but one they knew would bring new hope to their people and honor to their soldiers. Our sharing of the gospel should have the same fervor, not done only out of obedience, but out of love for the people of this world and to bring honor and glory to God Almighty. So I, I, I bring that up and sort of get that where that word gospel comes from I, I, because it, I think it's important to know its roots, right? The gospel was something you wanted to hear, right? If you were in your village and we don't have the internet, right, and all that stuff, you're waiting for someone to come through those gates and say, hey, we won the battle. The enemy is further away. We're pushing them further away. The enemy is getting further away from us. We are winning this, which means, yo, my town is safe. Because if, if the soldiers start losing, what happens? The enemy starts getting closer and closer. They, they start breaking strongholds. And next thing you know, it's personal. The enemy is in your camp. The gospel, as we see it today, doesn't change. That's good news. And there are people who are at war with themselves, with the enemy, with their flesh, and they don't even realize it. They're struggling, 
They have depression. There's anxiety. And they have nothing to lean on, no hope, nothing to grab a hold of, nothing to hold fast to. And here we are holding the good news, saying that the enemy has already been defeated. They're not just getting pushed back. They've been defeated. But it really isn't like that anymore. The gospel is like, it's music, right? Gospel music. It's, it's a thing. It's a style. Like, and, and, and it's actually, you know, even though by definition still it is the teaching and revelation and record of Jesus Christ, it's actually been changing. Now as more things are coming up, you have people preaching different gospels, not just something related to the Bible, but just a totally different thing, right? Something they believe in, that is their gospel to preach, right? It's, it's not the same anymore as it used to. And it's kind of easy for me, for us, to kind of sit back and let that happen. Because we have the good news. And you get comfortable with what you already know. I, I get comfortable with what I already know. I already went through the hardship of putting my you know, flesh down and picking up my cross. I got my good habits. I pray in the morning. I read in the morning. I show up on Wednesdays and on Sundays, and I pray. I got my good habits. Like, I'm, I'm good. But, yo, there's people out there still struggling. And we don't reach them. We, we stick with our click, you know? It's easy to do that. It's easy for me to do that. And it's tough to break out of those things. My first point to you guys is bad news comes in many forms, but the good news has never changed. I don't care where you are in life, what you've been through, the things you've done, yo, bad news is coming. I'm sorry, you, you live in a world that has been taken down by sin full of sin. No matter what you do, you're going to hear a bad report from work. You might get fired. I, I don't know. You might get terminated. Or maybe you have a death in the family. I mean, just, just recently for me, I, I like this past month has been bad news after bad news. I mean, one week I got hit with like five different things. I'm like, my goodness, I can't even breathe. And bad news is coming. And it's not that you don't take that bad news seriously. But a lot of people, when bad news hits, yo, like, that's when life changes for them, for good or for worse, right? Some people meet their significant other when bad news hits, right? Oh, this was the person that helped me get through this thing. Or some people realize that I can be independent, right? Bad news hit. I lost my job. You know what? I didn't need that. I can make things out on my own. I can do things on my own. They become stronger. Character, good or bad character, gets built in bad news. But real good news, the true good news, the gospel good news has never changed, right? So what ends up happening is you have all these characters that get built from these tough times. I mean, pick anybody you want. Let's say Elon Musk, right? The, the, he went from down low all the way to up high in society's view, right? That now he's just a, a name that's commonly uttered in every household. Everyone knows who Elon Musk is because of the hard work that he did, Right? But all that reliance was on what he could do. And that his method of getting through his bad news is not going to work for me. It's not going to work for you. It's not the same because you guys aren't living 
Musk's life. I'm not living your life. I don't deal with the bad news that Aldo or that Bishop or that you guys have to deal with. I'm sorry. I'm here to help. But those feelings, those emotions, those tears that hurt, you're feeling that. I'm not. And the church is here to help. But when it comes down to it, I don't feel what you feel. As much as I want to step in your shoes and help you through it, I'm not walking in your shoes. And you're not walking in mine. But the good news has never changed. Right? You, you, we, I just read one of the most famous things you could hear. You know, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Right? It, everything starts with God. And I'm not just talking about, most of the time when I get up here, I get like all scientific and I start talking about the universe and all this stuff. Because I love that stuff. I'm a, little, I'm a little geek, you know. I'm a little geek when it comes to that stuff. But everything starts with God. Your life, your kids, your work, the money, your wallet, your shoes, the basics, the, the Wonder Bread you bought at the store. I don't even know if people buy Wonder Bread anymore. <laughs> I no, nowadays people are all organic and fancy, you know what I mean? So <laughs> nothing beats a slice of Wonder Bread and some butter. <laughs> that starts with God. Everything. And it's a, it's, a, it's a tough concept to get. Like even for me, it's a tough concept to get where everything starts with God. When I wake up in the morning, I'm breathing and I, you know, I feel that cold air on my face because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of cheap and I don't want to turn the AC, you know, heater on. I just, just let the cold air come in. I'll deal with it. I'm a, I'm a what's it called? Uh, um, I'm going to just put more clothes on and that's it. Thicker jacket. I'm good. I'm good. You know, and that all that starts with God. And. He made it all. So when we talk about good news, that's the one thing that's universal. Right? No matter what difficulty, no matter how hard the bad news is, yes, I'm not walking in, my sh in your shoes and you're dealing with these crazy emotions. Those things are real. You're feeling them. It's tough. You're crying. The good news of the gospel has not changed. And it is still something that you can hold fast to, something that is life-changing. And to be honest, I got hit with the bad news, you know, a whole bunch of bad news recently, and I was good. Because I, I, I you know, I, I, I've come to the point where, like, I realize that the good news doesn't change. But let me tell you something that was messed up that I felt when I saw people crying and dealing with all this stuff. Like, in my head... No lie. What came, like, one of the first thoughts, I was like, y'all need to get over this. Like, we got, like, this is, this for real. This is bad news, all right? We know what we got to do. Let's gear up and let's go. Why y'all crying, man? Because you're dead weight, but now you're adding weight with all the tears. Like, that's messed up, all right? That's really messed up. I'm just being very honest with you guys. And I'm ready to go. Like, I want to get over this bad news already. And I was not thinking, not for a moment, about reaching them. I was a little, like, high in pride and almighty because I know the good news. I didn't take that as a moment to share the good news. It was a moment for me to be like, oh, I, I don't, 
in reality, is that I didn't want to deal with the bad news, right? And I knew God was going to get me through it. So I'm like, God, I'm going to just hold on to you so you can get me through it. But then, I'm, you know, these guys are like pulling me back. And uh, I didn't realize that that was my moment to reach. And I didn't. Because in reality, he made it all. Life, the life you live in, is proof that God really did make it all. It, it reads in John that it's, um, uh, where, where was it? Oh, my, my Bible closed. I'm going to just freehand this real quick. Um, it, it reads in John that life shows proof of the light. And light is to all men. Right? You don't have a choice. Nobody has a choice. Whether you believe in Jesus Christ and, and, and you're the greatest churchgoer in the world, it doesn't matter. The life you live in is already proof of the light. Right? And in the case of this light, this light is not capitalized with an L. So it's not necessarily referring to, and it's also a different word as, uh, different word as well in the Greek. So it's not necessarily referring to Jesus, but light as in the truth. The truth that's evident. The truth that you can't deny, right? And when people, no matter where you are, no matter where you come from, everybody has some sort of moral compass. And though some people are more messed up than others, generally, don't steal from me, don't lie to me, and don't be hurting me, and we good. I don't care who you are or where you come from, what your religious background is. If you don't steal from me, you don't hurt me, and you're not lying to my face, we can be buddies. We can make it work. And most people kind of hover around that no matter where they come from. Because everyone gets hurt when they're lied to or when they find out they're lied to. Right? It hurts. People still lie. No one likes to get stolen from. No one, no, no one, no one like has their car stolen and they're like, oh, that's okay. That he needed it. Right? Maybe he did need it. But in reality, that's not what you initially think. For whatever reason, no matter what walk of life you come from, generally, 99% of people have that real, like, like, they have that in them, that type of moral compass. It's proof that God has designed us to work in that truth, to walk in that truth. You don't, it's, it's natural for you to not like sin. It's natural for you to really detest sin. What happens is, is that we keep doing it over and over and over. And to be honest, sometimes when you see the standard of God and you realize what's holy, it's just so much work. So you'd rather just let go and let sin. People say let go, let God, right? But really, it's like let go, let sin. That's what ends up happening. But it's not natural for you because you don't like it when people sin towards you. You're bothered by it. Or you get to the point where you're like, you know what? I've done so many people dirty. I've lied to so many people. I've stolen from so many people. If they steal from me, it's okay because I'm messed up. So then everyone's just okay with being messed up. Life is proof of the light. All right? I say this because really what I'm trying to build here is a foundation of why we should reach others. And... What we end up seeing <laughs> in all that is that, and this isn't, I'm not talking about free will today, not at all, but you don't have a choice 
in what you're born into. Let's just be honest, guys. You weren't you weren't sitting up in in uh, what was that movie? Um, uh, so was it Soul or this is this dude playing jazz or whatever? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like all these little souls are up in heaven. They're like, yeah, that's where I want to be born. Like. Now, no one is, like, up there choosing, like, yo, I want to be born fatherless with a mother that abuses me and in uh, and, poverty. And, and no one chooses that. If I'm up there and I had a choice, I would not have chosen to be right here right now. Guarantee you that would not have happened. Let's be honest. You don't have a choice in where you were born. You don't have a choice in your mother and your father. You didn't have a choice whether they forced you to go to church or didn't go to church. You did not have a choice. You just got born there. And that's just, that sometimes, to be honest, that just sucks. Because I, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm blessed. I got lucky to be born where I got, you know, the cards lined up right. Really, it was God making sure everything lined up right. But I was born to an amazing mom, an amazing dad. They raised me. They, they got me things. And as much of a knucklehead as I was, and I just hated them for being, you know, who they were sometimes, you know, I got lucky. I was blessed. I grew up with some people that they didn't make it past the age of 18 because of what they got born into. You don't have a choice in how you were born. You don't. Really, you didn't get to make that choice. But he talks about, at the end of John, that you can be born again, right? It talks about not being born of flesh, not being born of the will of men, right? The things you didn't have a choice to, not being born of blood, be born, but being born of who? Of God. Lo and behold, everybody, you have a choice. You do. You may not have a choice in how you got born naturally, but you can be born again and you can make that choice to be born again. And it's a beautiful gospel picture. It's a beautiful gospel message. It's a, it's a beautiful, like, depiction of who we are in Christ. We chose that. And the only reason why we can choose him is because of the sacrifice he made, because of the love God has for us. It all comes full circle back to that cross. There is a reason to reach others. The people you meet, the people in your family, the people you work with, they didn't have a choice on how they got born and what they had to deal with. And let me tell you, some people got some past that are thick, that mentally break them down, that cause depression, things that you may not be able to understand because you weren't born in a situation like that, things that you just can't relate to. They had the same choice you have to hold fast on to the truth of the gospel. And though you may not understand what they're going through, though you may not understand their emotions and the things that they deal with and the pain, the psychological issues they're dealing with because of whatever happened in their past, you can still show them the truth. Because to be honest, their life is proof of light, 
of the truth that is evident. They still have that fundamental moral compass. Don't lie to me. Don't steal to me. Don't hurt me. You know who doesn't lie to you? Who doesn't steal from you? Matter of fact, all he does is give. And doesn't steal from you? Christ. Are you kidding me? Like, and you're not going to let that person know? And I've said it like two or three times when I'm up here. Christians aren't ninjas, man. We just, we are high. We're not hiding in the shadows, right? Getting to know you, being your friend, waiting, you, waiting for you to be vulnerable. And then we come out and say, here's the gospel. Why are we waiting? That was, uh, that was point one. <laughs> I shouldn't have gotten, I shouldn't have gotten comfortable. All right, so I'm actually going to put this down here so I don't look at it. Here's where things get tricky, right? That right there, good, sound theological approach to why the gospel is important, right? I think that hits home. You guys probably got a little like emotional jerk. Maybe your heart's moved a little bit or maybe you were like, man, I'm like the worst Christian in the world right now. Like maybe, maybe that's where you're coming from, whatever it is. As, as long as you have a good understanding of why the gospel is important, then perfect. You have a reason to reach. Reaching is not that easy, though. Anybody knows, man, I got, I got knuckleheads of family members, knuckleheads of, of friends, knuckleheads. Like, they're, they're everywhere, right? I mean, let me be honest. Let's, let's, people suck. Like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're tough to deal with sometimes, you know? It's hard to deal with people because people ain't me. And I, I could deal with me. And, you know, sometimes my wife... But, like, outside of that, like, yo, <laughs> outside of that, there's so much work to deal with people. I'd rather just see you on a Sunday or on a Wednesday for, like, an hour or two. You know, catch up on your life. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you're doing good in school. Or, oh, I, I, I'm glad your son is doing good and he's moving up. And Oh, that's, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to go home. I don't got to deal with you no more. Whew. Yo, reaching people is tough. And not just because people, uh, you know, suck. It's also because we suck, too. You know, because we're, guess what? We're people. <laughs> Yo, it's, it's, it's like, I don't even know how people deal with me. I really don't. Um, reaching is, is difficult, man. It's, especially when you know someone closely. And, and you know, I, 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 I talk about not being a Christian ninja, but, you know, I've, I've been a ninja before, a Christian ninja. I've done that. You know, I've waited for people to get vulnerable and then come in. And, you know, I have had, I've had that backfire. I've had it work. And I, I really can't tell you, you know, step one, two, and three, this is how you should evangelize. This is how you should reach. This is, I can't tell you that, man. Like, I have no idea. I don't know your friends. I don't know your people. Like, I, I don't know everyone that you hang out with. I'm not like, you know, into your family's business like that to say, I think this is the best thing according to what the Bible says. I, I don't know. Every relationship you have with somebody is so different, man. Like, the relationship I have with Bishop is way different than the relationship I have with Aldo. Not that one is better than the other. They're just different. Why? Because they're two completely different people. I laugh more with Aldo than I do with Bishop. <laughs> you know? I feel like I'm in trouble half the time when I'm talking to Bishop. Like, <laughs> they're just two different things. Not one is better than the other, right? <laughs> but it happens. You know, the people in your life, 
Every relationship is different. I can't tell you this is exactly how you need to reach them. This is exactly what they need to hear. I don't, I don't know. I wish I did. But to be honest, the Holy Spirit does. And this is a big problem in today's day and age is that people play around with the Holy Spirit like it's some type of force. And, I mean, sure, that's cool and all, but why minimize God that way? And here's the thing. Like, you, you, you really want to learn how to, like, reach others? One, do it. Just, just try it. Have you guys tried it yet? Like, because I didn't try it for a long time. Right, for a long time, I was just kind of sitting, and, and whenever somebody was completely open, like, I need Jesus. Ah, okay, hold on, I got Jesus. Now that you need him, like, I was waiting for those words, but I really wasn't trying to reach people. You guys want to know what, you know, how hard it is and how to reach people? Just do it, man. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what words you need to say. All I need, to, like, the only thing I could tell you is do it. Start reaching. Pray. Seek Christ. Seek the word of God for advice and seek the advice of your elders and just start reaching, man. Like, just do it. I, it you're going to mess up. Things are going to blow up in your face. People are going to be mad at you. I might get mad at you. It, it might happen. But, yo, start reaching. Do it. Because if you don't, this is it. You ain't going nowhere. You're just staying stagnant. And, I mean, I do not want to end up staring God in the face at the end of my days and just look at him and say, hey, yo, 2020 was a great year, but I never went anywhere past that. I stayed right there all the way up until whenever I ended life. Yo, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I, I suck at it, but I'm going to try and reach and I'm not going to stop as many times as I mess up, as many times as I fall. I'm going to do it. But before you guys go and be a witness, it is absolutely important that you have the Holy Spirit. Without that, you're going nowhere. And to be honest, you'll cause more damage than good. Bishop was praying about this this morning. And this morning's prayer, um, and it was, it was beautiful the way he said it. I'm definitely not going to say it that great. Um, but in Acts, right? So basically, Jesus is here. He's crucified. All this crazy stuff is going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, he comes, he comes back to life, and he's walking around, and just he meets with 500 people after he's resurrected. And then all of a sudden, you know, at the beginning of Acts, he's... He's meeting with the 12 disciples, and then, bloop, he's gone. Before he leaves, he says, I want you to wait until you are imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus literally told him, don't you dare begin your ministry until the Holy Spirit is with you. Now, he didn't say it like that. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. I'm putting a little bit more, like, emphasis there. Jesus is way nicer than I was. But he basically said, don't move. Don't do anything. All y'all need to wait. You know what they did? That's what they did. They waited. They were in the upper room, 120 of them, waiting, praying. And Bishop said it today, man, I wish I could hear their prayers. And to be honest, I wish I could too, but I, I, I'm not going to hear them. What I do know is that they waited. And not, it wasn't just like a wait, like, you know, 
Like, you know, they come over here, open the door in the upper room. Yo, we got food for the next 40 days? Yeah, we good? Okay. All right, Lord. I'm waiting. And in silence for the next, you know, however long. That's not waiting. <laughs> Yo, any parent who's ever waited for their child to come home after, like, anything, it, you know, they really love their kids, they up. Even if they sleeping, they're up. Even if they're in bed and, they, they, you know, they hear the door, you're like, oh, hold on, I think, I think that's my kid. So, Everything Okay. Yeah, 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 okay, you got home safe? Yeah. No, no dents on the car? Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> you go right back to sleep. But you weren't really sleeping. You were waiting. You were awake. You were attentive. You were ready. Because if that phone rang, you need to make sure, okay, boom, I got to get there. You were really waiting. When we waiting on the Lord, when we're waiting on God, we're attentive to what he wants to do. We're attentive to what he's ready to do, and we're not. We're seeking him, asking God, what is it that you will have me do? We're really waiting on him. And to be honest, we have been praying and we have been seeking God for a revival in core faith, in our community, in Orlando, and it's been waiting. And let me tell you, I have grown so much just waiting. I have repented of so much just waiting. I have, I have never had so much fun waiting for God to make a move. And I never thought in my life I would say something like that. And I, I am waiting, but it's not like, yo, God, when are you going to make a, when you, when are you going to just grab everybody here in core faith, light them on fire, and they all go outside preaching the gospel? When is that going to, like, no, I'm waiting. I'm excited. I know God is going to make a move. I know he's going to do something. And, yes, I am waiting and I'm praying I'm seeking him. I'm attentive. So when he does make a move, you better bet I'm not going to miss it. But if you're just waiting for the elders and the leaders to pray, you know, and make, you know, bring in the revival here and you're not, you're not waiting really, you're going to miss it. The revival's going to come and, I, you know, you're going gonna to get lit on fire. It's going to happen. But... True character is built when you're waiting. So he sends them up there. They're waiting. And then, boom, the Holy Spirit comes. They see these tongues on fire, comes over everybody. And all of a sudden, you guys know what happens? They can't contain it. Yo, when you got the Holy Spirit in you, you can't contain what, what God wants to do. Dude, they busted out of there. They were all preaching and they were teaching and all these different tongues. People thought they were drunk. They were like, how are these people from these Galileans like speaking in all our different languages? It doesn't make any sense. And they're like, they got to be drunk. And then Peter like, you know, very smartly said, Yo, it's only the third hour of the day. We can't be drunk. We just woke up. There wasn't even enough time for me to start drinking to, by this point to be drunk. Like, no matter how you do it, logically, it's just not going to happen. So, boom, we're not drunk. It truly is the Holy Spirit. They were moved to preach the gospel. Peter gave this amazing, beautiful sermon. And then in Acts chapter 2, 
verse 36, um, it reads, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly, <clears throat> then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's amazing, man. One sermon brought 3,000 people to, lo- to the Lord, man. I think on average today, like one sermon brings like, Maybe half a person. <laughs> and it's not because the preacher, not because Bishop not preaching, from, you know, from the Holy Spirit or anything like that. That's not what it is. It's just people were ready. They knew something was up. People today, they're not dumb either. They know something's up. They know the government's not going to give them what they want. Bishop talked about this last week. People are, are, are voting for the things they want, knowing the politicians are going to lie to them. They, they already know. They want politicians to lie. Why? Because then they can go start having little, like, gossip things and drama and bringing up all this stuff. So the next time they talk to somebody, they don't actually have to, you know, the, you know someone they, you know, when you're on Sunday, you know, you're there on Sunday, you don't have to actually talk about life. You can just talk about the politician who messed everything up. It's easy to talk about other people's dirt instead of your own. Yo, it's, it's so easy. People don't trust politics. People, people know the government's not going to give them what they want. And people all the time, I've, I've heard people like, yo, I got to fly to Europe. I'm going to start living there because think the government is better there or whatever. And they got better health care. Like, go, go over there. You're just going to you, like start dramatizing about their stuff too. Then you don't want to come back. You know, it, it, trust me. People know. People are ready. The problem is, we're not really reaching. And when we do reach, it's watered down gospel. You're going to be okay. Jesus is going to save you. He's the answer to everything, which he is. But, like, you really getting to the heart of the issue? Are you really getting to know them? Were you actually waiting on God before you actually started to reach? Because without the Holy Spirit, it doesn't happen. That sermon Peter preached only happened because of the Holy Spirit. The people that were added only happened because of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the most grandeur, you know, beautiful sermon that made it happen. It, was, it wasn't Peter's delivery. It was the Holy Spirit. What brought all of you guys to Christ was your choice to want to be born again and the Holy Spirit transforming you. The Holy Spirit is necessary if you want to reach. So, what does reaching look like? It goes on in Acts, and it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Remember, these guys were waiting a long time. They're probably hungry. This sermon just happened, and they just continued, right? They didn't stop. 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Y'all see what's going on here? You know what they were doing? Church. But not, not like coming to church on a Sunday. They were doing church every day, 24 hours a day. They got to the point where they realized that my possessions are nothing. If, if someone needs something from me, I'll sell it, get the money, and give it to them. Or if I have the tools, I'll just hand them the tools. Yo, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have never seen that, ever. I have never been so in tune with my local church that I know exactly what's going on that I have. And we have Realm, and I got my issues with Realm technically. But Realm is a great tool. Man, sometimes, like, I'll go, like, for a while without seeing what's going on in Realm, and then I get on there, and I look at the post, and I feel horrible, because these are people sometimes it's like, hey, everything's going great, like, I just need prayer for this, or this is what's going on in my family, and then I see them, and I'm like, yo, that happened, like, a month ago. I feel bad even asking them about it, because I wasn't, like, you know, and it's the same thing. I'm sure, you know, people have seen that, like, people get, like, upset, like, on Facebook, like, hey, today's my birthday, and then, like, three days later, someone sees the post. And you're like, hey, happy birthday. And they're like, I can't believe you just sent that three days late. Facebook gives you a reminder. You should know these things. <laughs> Yo, if y'all feeling like that about Facebook, where y'all at with the church? <laughs> I mean, come on. The, the core faith has its own Facebook realm thing, right? Like, it's there. That's your place to really get to know good people, man. People that actually want to see your headshot on, on Realm and say, oh, look, they're doing good. Because on Facebook, I mean, no one really wants to see that picture of your face. They're just, oh, look, another, you know, headshot. That's cool. They keep sliding seeing the next thing. Yo, these people did life together. And because they did life together, they ate together. They talked to each other. Everything was together. You know what happened? Jesus added to them daily. Because they were just doing life. They weren't just meeting on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. They were doing life. You know what happens when you do life? You don't just do life in here. You do life at work. You do life outside of work. You guys are actually looking to hang out with the church to get to know the church. And maybe you need help and someone's reaching out to help you or you're reaching out to help somebody else. You know what ends up happening? The world sees that. People see that. The people you're having tough times dealing with, you're like, who's that dude anyway? Yo, nobody in my family, like, like, really knows you guys, like, in my, in, my, in my blood family. You guys are, like, my, you guys are my real family. But, and no one really knows you guys. And you guys have shaped me. You guys have molded me into the, the person that I am. You guys have taught me. You know, Aldo has made me laugh. Bishop has made me feel bad. <laughs> right? But... Each and every single one of you guys, you guys have, even the youth, man, you guys have all shaped me and molded me. And I go see my family, and they don't, they don't know where that is coming from. 
And they're part of the church too. They're part of the body. Now, I'm not saying we, need to th- we all need to take a bus ride to down south and hang out in Miami. That's not what I'm saying, right? I thought we should totally do that. But, <laughs> but that connection that I have with you guys has shaped me to the point where my own family members don't even recognize who I am, right? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But are we doing that in the church? Because, I mean, we have tons of things going on here at Core Faith. And, again, numbers really don't bother me. But I know how wide of a web Core Faith is in terms of individuals. And I know how many times I've missed prayer, how many times. I mean, life gets difficult, right? And you start missing things. But, yo, life is happening when we're here together praying. Life is happening. I mean, there's been many a times where I'm here to like praying with someone and someone's like, yo, you guys want to go get something to eat because I'm hungry. And people just be like chilling after prayer or doing something. People do that. People actually, I mean, everyone here just wants you to know, people in core faith, they hang out with other core faithers. It does happen. And when you guys start doing life together, really start doing that, the world is going to see it. And then now you're not reaching alone. And that's, that's, that was tough for me because I always thought that reaching others is something that I did by myself. I had to get my butt out of this seat and I had to go outside and reach somebody. Yo, you can reach others together. Isn't that a wonderful concept? But how are you going to reach someone together with your church if you don't even know who we are? I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't know everything about everyone in here. Not that I'm trying to get in your business. But it's important. How are we supposed to build a relationship? How am I supposed to say I have a good relationship with blank if I really only see you on Sunday or on Wednesday? I'm like super close with the youth. The youth know me more personally than anybody. Why? Because they ask me like targeted questions. Right? They, they are not ashamed to ask me a targeted question about my life. And they know more about me than sometimes I feel like I know about me. Right? I want that with everybody. We can be that close and we can really reach each other together. But without the Holy Spirit, it ain't gonna happen. Right? When we when you're born again, you come to Jesus, you're then what? Baptized, and after that, what happens? Boom, Holy Spirit. That's the way it should happen. And it should be clear in your life because the Holy Spirit is no joke, right? It's not a feeling. It's not when your tummy is like, "Mm, yeah, you have to pray. No, no, no. It's you know when the Holy Spirit is moving because you feel like you have no choice. You overcome. Remember, the Holy Spirit is God. So when the Holy Spirit is with you, you're overcome by what? The will of God. And people always say, oh, I want to know the will of God. I want to know the will of God. You got the Holy Spirit. And if he's asking you to wait, wait, seek. If he's asking you to move, move. Oh, but I, I, I don't really ever hear that. I don't know it. I mean, I've never heard the voice of God. I'm going to be honest with you guys right now. But when the Holy Spirit is asking me to move, you better bet I know he's asking me to move. It's pretty clear. And it's always been clear. It's never been like some weird poem, like obscurity, like, you know, Picasso painting I got to try and figure out what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. And then this is what I interpreted. No, it's really clear. And 
Not trying to like throw shade or anything like that, but if you haven't felt the move of the Holy Spirit in your life in a long time and it hasn't urged you to move out of your comfort zone, yo, something may be up. Maybe what you need to do is get connected with the body because when you're with the body, breaking bread, sharing things, tell you what, you're going to be surrounded by a whole bunch of Holy Spirit, you know, possessed people. And next thing you know, you're going to get the Holy Spirit bug too. It's just going to happen. Right? And, and Bishop will be up here telling you every Sunday, pray, read your Bible, you know, be better. <laughs> get with the body, man. We all just like you. We sucking at life. <laughs> right? And we're trying to figure it out. And you know who we rely on? Christ. So if you're having a hard time leaning on Christ, you're having a hard time relying on Christ because life is tough, Tell you what, hang out with the body. And eventually you'll learn how to lean back on Christ. Because you know what got me back to God? Was you guys. I wasn't converted or, you know, came to Christ here at Core Faith. I had done it before and I just walked away from it. Then I came here and I was like, and it wasn't like I came here, I heard Bishop preach and I was like, Boom, Holy Spirit's back on. Now, I had to hang out with you guys, and I went to some connect groups, and I thought some of y'all were whack. Like, I was like, yo, some of these these people, I don't even know what they're saying about the Bible. Like, like, and I I thought some of y'all were weird. Some people I didn't even want to hang out with. I was like, you know, these people I can hang out with, so I'm going to just sit in that side of the church because those people I'm cool with, you know. And eventually, all those molds got broken, and I just realized that doing life with people, man, doing life with you guys changed my life. Christ through you guys changed my life. So, you're going to need the Holy Spirit, especially if you're going to get to point three. (laughs) All right, I'm wrapping up. So, my third point is reaching and preaching are not always the same. And um, I'm not going to read the verse that I have here so I can sort of get to the meat of things. But basically, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12... Verses 1 through 12, um, Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. And he talks about the gift of um, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. Right? Talks about how amazing they are. And people sort of like get honed in on that stuff. Like, oh, yeah, I got discernment. I got wisdom. I'm a genius. I got knowledge. You know? I'm, I'm, I'm the handyman. I'm the helpful dude. I speak five languages. I got tongues. I can interpret things, even though I don't know what you said. I think this is it. Right? He talks about all these gifts, and and people sort of hone in on these gifts. And then he goes on to say, you know, right after he talks about the gifts, it is only one spirit who gives out these gifts, and he decides who gives what. Oh, man, I was like, yeah, because I'm I'm like the the, the best, right? I'm, I'm, I'm like super competitive. So when you show me these gifts, I'm like, yo, I got like, 90% 90% wisdom, 10%, 10% uh, miracles, um, 100% faith, 200% healing, and I start adding up all the percents, and I get to like 1,000. I'm like, yo, I'm the best Christian in the world. I got all the gifts, <laughs> right? <clears throat> but then he, he goes on and says that, hey, you, you know, you ain't going to get all the gifts. He decides who gets what. <laughs> oh, once again, guys, you don't have a choice. But... 
He goes on after saying that, right? I wanted, I wanted to dig more into that, but no, Paul moves on. He's like, all right, cool. Now that you know, you don't really get to choose what gifts you got. But you know you got the gifts. You don't get to choose. Let me tell you about the parts of the body, right? So he goes on in verses 27 through 37. He talks about there's apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, miracle workers, healers, helpers, and administrators. I didn't even know there were that many people in the church. That's like, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's nine people there. Man. How many of y'all know exactly where you fit in here? I'm going to be honest. I didn't know where I fit in. My dad, my dad told me he, he thought I was a prophet. Bishop told me I'm a preacher. I think I'm a, I'm a helper. I don't know. I don't, you know, for me, for, for a while, it actually took me a tough time to figure out where I fit in. Do you guys know where you fit in in the body? Let me tell you what. You're not going to know where you fit in the body if you're not in the body. <laughs> it's true like it just it just happened like if, if you're not here hanging out with us you don't know where you fit in and i'm not just saying hanging out with us on a sunday and all this stuff like really doing life together really getting to know each other you're not gonna know where you fit in all right i mean everyone's had that issue in high school you come across these you know this cool clique of friends and i, I fit in with here with these guys because i'm the funny one or i'm the serious one or i'm the one that's the glue i keep the group together you guys find where you fit in in your little group where do you fit in at church? It's important. Here, here's where, here's where I, I struggled a lot here. He ends with, now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And then he goes, of course not. No, not every single one of you are going to do all of these things. <laughs> then he says this, and this is where I, I struggled. But earnestly desire the best gifts. Oh, man, my competitive side was like, what are the best gifts? I mean, I'm thinking the best gift, and again, what I'm going to say is a little contradictory to what you'll find in a commentary and maybe Bishop might correct me, and I might have one of those things where I feel bad again, right? One of those conversations. Then I'll go talk to Aldo and laugh it up. But, <laughs> but I struggled with this because it says first apostles, so I'm thinking, you know, number one, right? Second prophets, so I, if I can't be an apostle, I'm going to be number two. I'm going to be a prophet. And then third teachers. After that, he doesn't number them anymore. He's just like, after that, we got these people. And I feel like that's so contradictory to what Paul was talking about. He was literally saying, like, hey, everyone's a part of the body. Be a part of the body. How can the hand say to, you know, the feet that you're, you're not doing your job or you're not, a, you're not a foot or whatever? He's going through all this stuff. And then he says, oh, desire the best gifts. I'm like, whoa, you just told me that the hand can't be the foot, but I'm a foot and I want to be a hand now because I want the best gift because you said number two was profits. I can, I can at least be number two. You know after really praying about that, let me tell you something. Y'all, all, everyone in here with all your lives and how difficult and how crazy it is and all the people you know, let me tell you what. Y'all have the best gifts for the people that are around you, for the people you need to reach, for the things we need help with at Core Faith, for no matter where you are in life. Let me tell you what. You have been equipped with the best gifts. That's why the hand can't say to the foot, you're not a hand. And the foot can't say to the hand, you're not a foot. 
Because that foot is the best thing at being a foot. The hand is the best thing at being a hand. Y'all should know your gifts. Y'all should know where you fit in. You know why? Because you're the best at it. But if you don't know where you fit in, if you don't know what your gifts are, how are you supposed to know what you're the best at? You know what you're doing? You're moping around looking at Bishop preach because he's here every Sunday and he's so commanding with his preachings. It's amazing. I wish I could preach that way. I just don't. It doesn't happen. Right? It's so awesome. And, and you see that and you're like, wow, I don't think I can ever be there. And then you just get sad. You get depressed because you'll never be bishop. You will never be bishop. I will tell you that right now. You know why? Because you're the best, and you're as played out as this sounds, and as elementary as this sounds, you're the best you. And let me tell you something. There can be a better you if you rely on the Holy Spirit. And you fully consecrate your life to living a life dedicated to Christ. And you can be the betterest you. I'm trying to stick with my, my kindergarten type phrases here. Hopefully it's working. But you have the best gifts for the war zone that you're in, for the mission field that you're in, for the job that you're in. You have the best gifts. You don't need to desire the other gifts. What you need to do is know your gifts and hone them to the best of their abilities. And the only way you can hone them is by putting them through the purifying fire that is Christ. And fire hurts. So, my question to you guys as I close is this. First and foremost, are you committed to Christ? Like really, truly committed to Christ, not just committed to Christ on Sunday. Like truly committed to Christ, living a life of Christ. Following that, are you committed to reaching others? We say it every Sunday. And to be honest, I, I, I do it like I'm committed to loving God. I'm committed to growing. I'm committed to serving. I'm committed to, and then the whole church says it, and I keep my mouth shut because I'm really bad at reaching others. Are you committed to it? So really, the best advice I can give you to reaching others is do it. Just do it. Just start. You having a hard time? Hang out with the body. We'll do it together. But first and foremost, before you even try, make sure you have the Holy Spirit. And above all, that gospel message, it always circles back to Christ. If you're committed to Christ, you'll be committed to what he has for you. And you'll have a true life-changing experience because you understand the sacrifice he paid on that cross. It's important.